Ah, welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 57. Would you believe it? I don't know what percentage of podcasters that puts us in to have 57 episodes, uh, but let's just say uh, the top bar oh, 0.03 is what I'm going to go with. I just made that number up. I don't care. We're going to talk about uh, plenty of Champions League football, a little bit of Premier League football. I've got Tommy on the other end of the interwebs. Um, how you doing, man? Excellent. You know, if this was an OnlyFans uh, content creator site, 0.03% would be absolute maximum returns. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, uh, Spotify and it's uh, an Apple and it's uh, monetization for streaming podcasts is not, uh, you know. It doesn't allow for nudes. It's not really wealthy. Yeah. And plus it doesn't allow us to put our nudes on there. But, you know, if any of our listeners uh, would, would like our nudes, uh, it wouldn't hurt to ask, is all I'm saying. It wouldn't hurt to ask. We'll name our price and uh, see how we go. We'll go from there. Um, I, I, I lost the little uh, segue thing I was going to have there. I thought it was going to be funny to say, I don't know, some sort of sexual joke about going from that into how much I loved watching Karen Benzema tear PSG to pieces the other day. But we'll jump straight into that game, if you like, from last week, the Champions League. It's We're not really in chronological order there. But it was probably the game of the week. Real Madrid, PSG at the Bernabeu. Night shift football's done it again. We called a big Benzema performance to get him over the line. And bang, bang, bang. The Hattie, how good. Uh, What do you got for me on this one? It's just exceptional individual performance called by our man in the booth again, Sammy J. (laughs) No, it just pretty much went to plan, didn't it? Because PSG did what they do best and that's rely on Kylian Mbappe for everything everything in sort of like the last third in the creative finishing sense and yep. he did he put the ball in the back of the net three times did he score a hat trick yeah he did and uh two offsides two, two offsides two and one goal legitimate offsides you can't yeah. there's no complaints about either of them um but it does it just shows his destructive quality if you can get him in the box free uh, he's going to finish pretty much all of the well, time. Well, the, the final score for the tie was Benzema 3 and Mbappe 2. It's true. Yeah, exactly. And doesn't that just speak volumes of the French side? We were waxing lyrical about Giroud last week and you've got Benzema and Mbappe as well. It's just an yeah. embarrassment. But yeah, what uh, just cracking tie. And, you know, Real Madrid in the second half really did wrestle control back. Um, Ancelotti, I think, has been, he copped a lot of heat. Well, you know, actually, in my view, he didn't cop enough heat for what happened to Everton, but then to to sort of scurry back into the yeah. Real Madrid fold and do what he's doing at the moment with this side, getting him into this stage of the Champions League, top of the top of La Liga, unreal. Yeah, he has. He's. Uh, I was just trying to get up his numbers there for. I'm not sure how many Champions Leagues he's won, but he's definitely won it before, maybe a couple of times. Um, the dudes are. <laughs> He just, this is his competition. Um, They looked like, PSG looked like they were going to run away with this in the first half. I was pretty worried, not going to lie. I say pretty worried, not because I'm a Madrid fan, but because we love seeing PSG lose. Um, But they did look like they were all over them and going to run away with it. Just, again, that same thing we say all the time about PSG, not really clinical enough in the final third or not precise enough despite the quality of player up there. Um, and it came back to bite them big time with big mistakes, uh, just kind of getting rattled after they made the one mistake to concede a goal and then were just rattled and just never found their way back. 
Real Madrid put the foot on the throat and Benzema slots not one, not two, three. Three really well-taken goals as well, especially the third. The third's such a brilliant finish outside of the foot. Real strikers, uh, like half chance to, con- uh, to convince that. But for PSG, I mean, it just it shows the same defensive fragility and the same, you know, lack of, I just guess, cutthroat mentality when it comes to these Champions League qualifying games, these knockout games. Yeah. We've seen it time and time again. It doesn't matter who it's with. And you bring in Pochettino who didn't actually win anything with Spurs. And so you're kind of giving a guy that hasn't really won anything this embarrassment of riches that they are. And he can't instill the winning mentality in, in the side to, you know, they're tuning up in the leg. Like they should really cruise through this and move yep. into the next phase. Yeah. They just, um, I don't know if you saw over the weekend when they played there, I think they played Bordeaux Sunday night, our time. And Sounds about right. Messi and Neymar were booed when they got, I don't know how often they were booed, but for the first couple of minutes, um, a clip came up from being sports. They were booed every time they touched the ball by the PSG fans. And now there's yeah. yeah enough to make the commentator comment on it. Yeah. And now there's like, like it was, you could hear it though. It was pretty clear and obvious. It was boos for just those players. Um, there's all this stuff about like post game dramas as well, where players spat the dummy and coaches spat the dummy. Uh, one of them allegedly, uh, some of the coaching staff allegedly broke equipment in the referees room and tried to break in there one of them saying i will kill you <laughs> and uh i don't know i just love to see that sort of dummy spit from a bunch of guys who expect to win everything and don't yeah no and it was funnily enough it was one of the shakes representatives in there as well barring the referee from leaving his room it's just it's such childish behavior and it's you know it's behavior of men who don't expect to lose in life because they've never lost in life yeah and here they are you know under I think they're underperforming in the you know in uh, league uh massively despite the despite the fact they're still nine or ten points clear, but they still are underperforming, and they're obviously not going to win the Champions League this season. So, so. Um, a little bit off track, but uh, there was a post I saw today about PSG ultras um, sending a message to the club. They are they're filthy with how the club's been run at the moment, in just uh, basically doing all the stuff that we said they do, which is just buy a bunch of star players, throw them together and hope that it works. Um, In particular, I think they're dirty on the Messi signing right now because he's not been good for them and obviously costing them a lot of money, Um, especially when they're looking at like, you know, they're looking at moving on Mbappe because they've got to keep the other guys. When Mbappe is like the local, he's the Parisian, you know, he's the one they want to keep. And the other note was that, yeah, they were, they were accused of uh, kind of taking the domestic league in like a bit of a canter and just trying to stroll through it, which they are doing. They're just strolling through it. They don't, they're pretty dismal to watch even in Liga, but they're probably still going to win it because there's no other team consistent enough to keep up with them, but they're still pretty ordinary. Uh, they're going to get away with it because it's the French league. Yeah. It's, you know, what you're saying about Mbappe leaving, that is the one guy they would want to keep beyond anybody else. And he is the absolute enigmatic dynamo of the side. And so if he does go, um, that's going to cause all sorts of rifts and tensions within the fan base and the club. And it's sort of, you know, they want to emulate the Galacticos of Real Madrid's early noughties period, but they brought in the superstars, but they brought in superstars in positions that the manager could work them into a team so that they could get the best out of each other. And it's just not happening. Neymar and Messi, 
you know, at Barcelona, I didn't think were the most effective partnership there. And then you're seeing it play out here again where all three of them are trying to take control of the front line and it's just, it's ineffectual. Messi's ineffectual, unfortunately. You know, Gigi Wijnaldum hasn't really performed to the ability he should. Hakimi is a better player than what he's showing, even though he is probably the only shining light of this team this season. They're still uh, turning to a guy in his mid-30s in Marco Verratti to be the the big glue piece in that midfield. He was excellent in the first half at the Bernabeu. Um, very good. I think Mbappe, I'm very excited by the idea that Mbappe would go to Madrid just to see him and Vinicius on the wings. would be cool. Because uh, that Vinic- Vinicius Jr., like, he's another one in a similar vein where it's just like everything is just raw pace. It's raw pace that gets him gets the job done for him a lot of the time. Obviously, very skillful, but when you have pace like that, you can you buy yourself time away from exactly. defenders and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I've just got um, Ancelotti's numbers up here that I found for like European cups. So he won two European cups as a player, both with Milan back to back. He won two Champions Leagues as a manager with AC Milan, and he won another Champions League with Real Madrid. So. Uh, three plus two, two European Cups. Put that down as five. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad I've, I've got his league stats as well. You know, if, if Real Madrid were to win La Liga this season, uh, Carlo will become the first ever manager to win in every top five league. And that dates oh, back right, to... He didn't, no, he didn't win the um, La Liga. He's not won it. He's not won it yet. Yeah, he won no. Milan 03-04. Uh, Chelsea 2009-2010, PSG 2011-12, Bayern Munich 16-17. Yeah, so there you go. There's that. No one's ever done it. I mean, that would put him down as the GOAT for for all time, surely. Like, there's no no comparison. You go to every division and do it. Yeah, definitely right in there. Do you have anything else on the the Madrid-PSG game? No, I just, it went exactly as we thought it would. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Yeah. Uh, the other game that morning, we won't talk about it, but Man City drew nil all with Sporting. Uh, Waste of were, 90 minutes. They were already through. Probably yeah. didn't even need to play that game, to be honest. Should have just abandoned it. They could have <laughs> just, abandoned it, lost yeah. 3-0 and still qualified. They should have done that. Yeah. Um, Liverpool did go through in the end, but Inter did make it dicey, going 1-0 up at Anfield. They held on to win 1-0, so mark that down as a loss for Liverpool and in particular. A loss for Virgil van Dijk. So you can stop that one, Liverpool fans. He's lost a game. Um, Alexis Sanchez went and got himself sent off just after the oh. just after the goal, and that kind of killed the tie again, didn't it? It did. Did he get himself sent off, or did the parochial home crowd get him sent off? And a reaction by Fabinho. Look, look, reactions <laughs> everywhere. Klopp is... A master at getting out of his technical area and influencing a decision. There's an argument to be made that is he should have been sent off in the first half anyway. For the first uh, yellow card. Yeah, for a shocking tackle. And he wasn't sent off. But two incorrect decisions don't make it any better. So um, I'm firmly sticking with I don't think that that should have been. It's It's more evidence that the slide tackle is dead, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm with you completely. I mean, he wins the ball far beyond when he contacts with the footballer. Uh, just, and it's it's a, it's a shame because it ruins the last 30 minutes of the time. Yeah, so it was enough for Liverpool to hold on and get through. 
with 10 men, they didn't really look too dangerous into Liverpool, kind of comfortable there. Uh, the other one that was comfortable, and we said it <laughs> was a good chance of happening, was that Bayern would not settle for what went on in Austria. They came back home against Salzburg, and uh, Lever did Lever things, and they pumped seven past Salzburg, four of them in the first half an hour. Oh, my days. Did um did Muller make up for his own goal on the weekend with two to seal it right <laughs> right in the middle of the second half? Just, yeah, just just to make it five five nil and six one. Muller well, scored. That's the kind. That's the kind of guy he is. Like you said, Lever did Lever things. Um, he came out and actually absolutely obliterated them. Um, yeah, it was always a possibility. I think I was hoping. I was more optimistic that Salzburg would be able to come in and put up a good fight again, but. They came out, they were professional, they did the job. That's exactly what they should have done in the first leg. I don't know why they made it so hard on themselves. They did that uh like ruthless Germanness thing where like Lewandowski gets himself Are you a talking hat-trick. about the war, Sam? Lewandowski gets himself a hat trick in the first twenty odd minutes. Um and then, you know, by the when Muller scores in the fifty fourth, they're five nil up. But Lewandowski plays the full game still like was there any need would you why, why would you maybe you wanted five what's the what's the top goal scorer in a single game in the champions league i have no idea but he had three maybe he was but, going for it yeah i don't know why why would you i would i'd be getting him off straight away looking nah, like forward said, to bigger things no their, nah, their pride was dented in the previous game they thought we have to sort this shit out yeah, so went and absolutely obliterated some Austrians. Poor fellas. Look, it happens. Collateral damage. This week we've got um, the return leg of some cracking-looking tyres. Starting off Wednesday morning, by the time people listen to this, these games will probably have been played as we're recording on a Tuesday night. But Ajax home to Benfica after a 2 all draw in Lisbon. Uh, which way do you see this one going? You're in the Ajax camp big time, aren't you? Big time. And I'll probably back Ajax in again here, but the first leg was wicked. It was a really good game to watch, um, even though Ajax did consign themselves to the multi-killers section. Nonetheless, it was a really good game to watch, and I totally underrated Benfica coming into this game, and so I'm, I'm excited to see them play again. This will probably be goals. Goals again, I'd say. 2-2, two, 3-3. Two, three, three. Yeah, I hope so, but um, I'll be watching the other tie again. I did this last time. I should have watched Ajax-Benfica, but... Nah, we'll split the diff. I was sucked into watching Man United Atletico, and I probably will be again. One all heading back to Old Trafford. How do you see this one going after United kind of maybe finding some form on the weekend? Will they carry that into this? Look, I have no idea. I've I've not I've not a single clue. I guess it just kind of depends on how the game pans out. Do Atletico score early again? If they do, you know they're going to put men behind the ball and try and shut them down towards the you know and get them towards the 80th minute and beyond and see if they can grind out a 2-1 result. If Man U score first, you know, Atleti have to come out and play and that sort of plays into Man U's strength. So this yep. is, it's just, it, it's a pendulum game. It, it just depends who rocks up, I think, in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. I've still got the, um, in my head, I've got that 2019 Atletico performance at Anfield in the Champions League. Oh, right, like classic. Just, yeah. It was on the, on the same morning, there were like other games that were like postponed because of COVID and whatever. And that game went ahead at a packed Anfield and um, Atletico got it done in extra time, I think, when it looked like they were already well out the tie. They came back and got it done. And I kind of 
uh, it's, this is so hard to pick, but I think they're going to get it done. It just it seems to set up for Suarez at, at Old Trafford, doesn't it? Surely he comes back and plays the absolute villain. It feels that way, but it also feels like uh, how, how often has Ronaldo taunted Atleti That's when he true. was in Spain? So um, he, it's a real it's up, a real flip of used, the coin. Sammy, he used up all of his goals on the weekend. He's got none left in him. We'll get to that. Don't you worry. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. You think we're not going to jive at Man United this week? Think again. Think again, folks. Win or lose, we got it. Uh, the other games, uh, we've got, they're kind of uninteresting ties, but Juve host Villarreal. Uh, uninteresting uh, in the sense that I don't give a shit about either of these two teams, but some people <laughs> might, I guess. Imagine we've got hardcore Juve fans just waiting all of this episode and be like, come on, come on, dissect the game, dissect the game. Well, they've heard me talk about you. Milan the last... 12 months, so they'll have to deal with it. You think it's turned them off, maybe? Look, I'll dissect it. Juve win. Juve are in yeah, they win at really home, good nick. They? They're, at, they're at home. They're really good nick. I'm beaten in 14. Villarreal still middling out in Spain. Uh, you know, This looks like they should win 1-0, 2-1, 3-2. They won't win by a lot, but they'll definitely get through this. Yep. And uh, another, the other one, very difficult to see it being turned around, but Lille hosting Chelsea. Chelsea already with a 2-0 aggregate lead. I can't see anything exciting happening in this tie at all. Yeah, it'd, it'd all be for the lulls if uh, Lille scored really early on and then managed to snag one before halftime and it really put the tie into contention. But that's probably what it's going to take for it to be a game. And it's it looks very unlikely that that's going to happen. Yeah, there you go. That's our two cents on the Champions League. How exciting. Um, getting into the... The real good stages, hey. Um, it's, it's always exciting when you describe it as exciting. Yeah, it is. I just, I'm, we'll we'll I tell know. you how to feel. You sometimes you get some ties that are just in the round of sixteen. You still get some ties that are a bit meh, and then yeah. you get other ties that are kind of okay to start with. But one team takes care of it easy in the first leg, and then the second leg's boring. And uh, we'll see how we go. And I was very excited about United and Atletico last time, and it. Ended up being pretty really boring, awesome. pretty yeah. ordinary. Who knows? Hopefully this time around, Sammy, it, uh, it tickles you. But I have a feeling I'm going to be messaging you about Ajax saying this is the best game I've ever seen. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> I want to move it on now. We want to talk about the, uh, the English top flight, English first division football. Mm-hmm. BBC uh, sponsored. A weird, weird this week that um, two international teams playing this week in... Russia versus Saudi Arabia at Stamford Bridge. Did you uh, catch this one? I did. It was almost like, was it, you know, uh, a tip of the hat to the war efforts considered by both sides? Uh, I don't know. It was an interesting one given the, you know, political climate to allow these teams to play. But here we are. Chelsea versus Newcastle. Uh, Who gives really a fuck about what happened on the game when you've got Two murderous regimes sitting in the boardroom. Oh, you've gone one another. there. You've gone there. He's done it. He's done it. I think it's time. I think it's time. We alluded to it last week at the end, but it's just, it's kind of beyond reproach now when you see by, these two play each other. By alluded to, you mean we went on a 10 minute rant? Yeah, look, we got there, but I still Not really alluding we quite, to it. Yeah, I, I still, guess so. I still thought we were quite diplomatic about it, but yeah, I was doing the, that for a reason, man. But he, you've already laid it out, so. That's what. 
after after what we saw on the weekend, I just think it's beyond it's beyond you know recon, reconciliation. Now I don't know where we go from here. Where we go from here is we talk about the actual football that was played because Newcastle have been on a pretty good run, snagging up points left, right, and center, um, and they were undone here. Maybe even robbed here. Would you say? Oh, potentially, if we're referring to the penalty incident, yeah. We're definitely referring to the penalty incident. I, I could see that being given. It's given in, in most games being, against, against most oppositions, uh, against some teams, though. It's not usually given, so. Yeah, one of those ones, isn't it? It's Stanford Bridge tax, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be a penalty. I don't understand how, was it even checked by VAR? They just never it even sent be. it up there, or it had to be. Um, Isn't everything checked by VAR? Isn't that the idea? But that, like, as in they haven't told the referee to go look at it, or oh yeah, true. I, I didn't watch the back. full game, yeah. so um, you know, I've only seen that clip, well, as in the highlights and stuff. But uh, I, after the one that was given against Arsenal, uh, the foul by Xhaka on, can't remember who Bernardo it was, on, maybe Silva. Bernardo, yeah. yeah. And I was completely sitting at, I'm okay with it being a penalty, but we're going to have to call him all the time. And then this one here is even like far more obvious. He's all over his back and then tugging all over his shirt and the referee shows no interest in it. And play goes on and Newcastle end up getting the win. Uh, Chelsea end up getting the win. Chelsea get the win. Yeah, like, like Havertz go. Um, it's definitely a penalty. I just, it's one of those things that you can't, you can't explain, and then if you want to explain it, you just you sound like a wild conspiracy theorist. So, where do you go from here? I just VAR, like we said all along, has not sorted anything out. The ref should be calling it. Um, is it clear and obvious enough to overturn? Probably. So I don't Def- understand. I would say talking. definitely. If it's enough yeah. to overturn it in the Arsenal City game at the Emirates, that one is definitely enough to overturn. Um, handful of shirt. Do it. Point to the spot. Get it done. Um, there you go. Um, it doesn't really like consign Newcastle to any kind of relegation trouble, though. No, it doesn't. Uh, it has more of an impact at the other end of the table, where Chelsea were maybe in a little bit of danger of being hunted down by Arsenal, given their form. But um, those two still have to play each other, and Arsenal have a big, tough run of games coming up. Chelsea probably still good enough to hold on to third there, I'd say. Yeah, we weren't going to talk about Arsenal winning, but they won again. Um, they've won five times in a row now, I think, against all bottom 14 teams, which is exactly what you expect them to do. So I'm all for Arsenal doing that, accumulating points. Are they going to actually challenge Chelsea for third? You know, I think the They're City... still eight points they play, away. They play Man City on Thursday, didn't you say? Who's that? Or do they play Liverpool, Arsenal? Arsenal, Arsenal they play Liverpool this week. They play Liverpool this they week. They still have to play... Uh, they still have to play Chelsea, Man United, and Spurs as well. So, okay, you know they've got three games in hand on United, one point ahead of them, eight points behind Chelsea. Um, yeah. Do you think? I don't know. I kind of think Arsenal are up to the challenge. I thought that even though they lost to Man City, I thought they were very good in defeat. I thought they they showed a side that could, you know, execute a plan that could beat some of these other sides that are up there. Yeah, they've shown excellent signs all year. Been very like. They've just had more sustained patches of consistency this season that they didn't have last year. Um, I've neglecting the most exciting battle is still at the top, though. Four points between City and Liverpool with uh, Liverpool a game in hand. 
I know I saw a tweet today that was like, if Liverpool win every game left, they win the league. And then someone tweeted back, yeah, if City win every game they have left, they win the league. <laughs> like, that's how finely balanced we are right now. Do they Whereas, still have to play each other? They do, don't they? Yeah, they do. That's, that's exactly right. That's going to be so good. That's it. That could almost be, you know, a playoff for the Premier League title. If, yeah. you know, you would expect all of them to win all of the games that still have to come, but City dropped points this morning against Palace and... Palace showed if you go out there with an organized structure and like Vieira absolutely wound this to perfection. I thought he was only watched the first half, but I thought the way that Palace really squeezed the lines between the back four and the midfield five or the midfield three and then the attacking three was brilliant. And that's exactly how you have to play against City. You know, stifle the room in between the spaces. Yep. Now really disciplined and it was really great to watch. It wasn't like one of those defensive performances like a Burnley or a Watford or something where they're just shit hours are in, you're like, oh, this is bullshit. Palace were in the game and they were still looking to strike on the counter-attack as well. So I, I like Palace a lot. And that was a really well-deserved point this morning. It was. I've enjoyed watching Palace this season and I'm keen to see... I'm excited to see what Vieira can maybe do with it with another year. Like, see what... Do they take the another step forward? Or do they yeah. take a bit of a step back, or do they stagnate? You know what I mean? They're not going to set the world. They're not going to set the world on fire at any point. I don't think Palace. Um, I don't know. I I kind of disagree with that because I growth in there. I think if you've got a manager that you can trust in, and maybe they allow him an extended budget, maybe he gets fifty mil, sixty mil. I don't know. I think you could see a similar run that Fulham had in the Europa League or the old UEFA Cup. It's a London-based team. You know, they have a lot of resources. They have a lot of natural investment opportunities. I wonder if you could sustain a European challenge with Crystal Palace. I think you could with Vieira at the helm. I think that's big talk, big talk. Long way to go still. Um, Yeah, he looks like he could be a good enough manager, but I think baby steps for them. I don't know if I see their ceiling being that high Mm -hmm. because I think – if they t- like say they take a couple more steps next year and finish a little bit higher again, uh, they they're pro- that that's reaching the point where clubs start coming in for their players and they have to start reinvesting and rebuilding again, like starting from the bottom. I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's a good one to keep an eye on. See how it goes. No, I like it. No, I think I think you're right. You brought me back down to earth with your your very realistic <laughs> take on the Premier League and how it how its structures work. No one's going to buy Zaha, is all that I keep thinking. Well, no one's going to buy Zaha, I don't think. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, if, uh, you know, yeah. some of the younger ones, they keep it going. It's going to be a shame when Gallagher goes back to Chelsea for sure, because he's yeah. a driving force in the team. I'd love to see him stick around at Palace for one more season. It would be cool, wouldn't it? Just, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he took some kind of political standpoint and was like, I'm not going back to Chelsea. I'm going to play for Palace. <laughs> Looking for any excuse to squeeze in, aren't you? Yeah. I was not happy with the weekend's performance. A couple of Saudi flags in the crowd. Not cool. We avert our eyes to Old Trafford. Uh, oh, we have to do it, don't we? Settle down. We backed ourselves into a corner. I did. Uh, I did say to you earlier. I was going to make that like the Simpsons meme of the when the volleyball lands on Lisa's head. <laughs> I said, "Sorry, there'll be no team." And I was going to say like, "There'll be no, I don't know. There'll be no joking at Man United on the pod this week." Oh, well, there'll be there'll be no pod. We should do no pods when Man United win. <laughs> there'll be no pod this week. Man United won. I'll tell the children. Oh, um, Man U beat Spurs though. Ronaldo, uh, <laughs> a Hattie. 
an absolute an absolute weldy you know what is like is this a, a sign of things to come or is this more uh i tend to be in the camp that this is papering over cracks but we'll still give him credit for this one sam it's renato magic as per usual we've said it all along we are <laughs> he can, he can do it he can, he do, can it. do it we all no. know he can do it He's going to score 20-plus goals this season. Of course he is. And on occasions, he's going to win games all by himself. But like you said, it is papering over the cracks. I mean, if he was going to do it every week, by all means, please, Renato, shoot Man United to the title. That would be unreal to watch. But he's not doing it. No, he's not doing it. It's not happening. Their team is still. Their team still looks pretty meh. Uh, Another one of those teams is just kind of carried by the the absolute quality of a handful of players in one kind of area of the pitch, like your Brunos, your Ronaldos, when he decides to. Other than that, um, I don't know. But they're, they're good value for their win. Spurs, I don't know what the deal is with them. They're very up and down. Uh, Conte, I think Conte is a great, great manager and he'll probably have a great season with them next like the next season, uh, when he gets a full like transfer window under his belt and stuff, but for now if that's he hangs a, around. If he hangs around for now, that is a costly loss for them. It is, yeah, because it really dents their ambition when they thought they could be. Like you said, they're up and down. They're consistently up and down. They've got like four wins and four losses in their last eight games. So it's and it's like equalized win loss win loss win loss. Uh, I don't know about Spurs. I don't know where they go from here. Just, I feel like he's got Conte has an established eleven that he really likes to play, but given their fixture congestion, he can't play that eleven after eleven after eleven. He can't play the same guys, so yep. he's bringing in people he doesn't like, and it's not really working out for them. Uh, on Man United, like, congrats, well done, Renato's paid off his investment. I don't know. I thought the brain dead tweet of the week this week was from Daniel Garb. And he says, that's ridiculous from Cristiano Ronaldo at 37 years of age. Uh, stunning hat-trick, brilliant game. Don't get me wrong. Great first goal. Good awareness to be in the box for the second goal. Good third goal. Yeah. The, third goal is vi- the third goal is vintage Ronaldo. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it's like. It's just the power. error Ronaldo. Yeah. Powerful leap, perfect placement of the header, goalkeeper, no chance, that kind of thing. Total technique, 100%. The guys practiced it in his backyard every day for every week and month and year for the last yeah. fucking 20 years. So, so so it should be going. <laughs> He's a freak and we like that. But Garby thinks there was nothing wrong with the signing as a short-term hit. The myriad of other issues at United have prevented it being maximized. I just wonder if you're prescribing the problem as a symptom there and maybe the other problems could have been addressed if not for the Renato signing. Yeah, 100%. Um- that's it's a sore spot even with united fans i know because i think i think they all know as well that like while it is cool seeing ronaldo back at united and seeing him in win, scoring winning goals here and there he's had had a few of those in the champions league doing scoring a hat trick like this they know that like that that is money that could have been spent elsewhere in the squad that was probably more needed and like you just said with what Daniel Garb tweeted, like it's it's just papering over cracks that could have been filled properly if you didn't go out and get Ronaldo. 
That's the thing. If you've got actually no ambition of finishing in the top three in the league and you want to bring back Ronaldo to score bangers like this and win a couple games on his own back just for the, that nostalgic, great feeling, then fucking hell, go for it, man. Like, how fun would that be as a football season where you don't expect to win anything? You bring back a classic player and he does things like this every so often and you're just like, ah, oh, the warm, fuzzy feeling you get from supporting a team. It feels great. And like... I. I'm all for that if that's what you want, but you can't in the same breath then complain that United aren't winning titles or winning trophies or doing anything. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, they are still in the fight for fourth, but, like, so all these criticisms may seem harsh, but at the end of the day, they're Man United as well. Like, we don't hold them to the same standards as everyone else. They do have higher expectations. We do hold them to a higher standard because... We spent 20 years growing up watching them win every fucking thing every week and putting up with it. And now they're sitting, like for them to be fifth, the fifth best club in the country is like, wow, that's, that's shit for you. It's sobering, isn't it, to think about. But it's also hilarious, so I'm all for it. I'd like to contrast that, Sam. Yes, with go on. With the feeling that you get supporting a side that's battling relegation and whether or not you think that the glory hunters of the super league sides are missing out on the thrill of supporting a side in a dog fight. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't, really, don't know. I don't know. I, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe do you have more to add to this? Can you elaborate further? <clears throat> yeah. I was uh, so you use the Man United example as a context and they haven't won anything in a while and they continually yep. compete and they're around the mark, but they don't win a lot and they finish fourth or they finish fifth and they grumble throughout the season and they've got underperforming players, so on and so forth, managerial changes, whatever else. Do you not think it would be a more exhilarating season if you supported a side that was hovering around 16th, 17th and every single victory meant the absolute world to you i think you could have more exhilarating moments like individual moments like we'll get to it but the leeds winner on the weekend against norwich but um over the course of a season maybe not i don't know but like you're talking to the wrong person probably for this because like you know where i stand with like i see the way people act about their team getting relegated it's like it really doesn't matter. Like it's, we're talking about this over the weekend with a bunch of people about like Burnley. You know, their goal every year at the start. Of, sometimes they do finish higher, yes, but you can't tell me going to the start of every season, their goal is to finish seventeenth. It's minimum, exactly right. Minimum seventeenth yeah. is their goal. They may reassess later to try and finish higher, but that's their minimum goal at the start of the season. If I was a Burnley fan, I'd rather get relegated and mix it up play some different teams, uh, have a shot at maybe winning something in a lower division. Um, I don't know. Just like, I, because I'm not as so attached to the Premier League as a thing. Like, I just, I don't know. I see it a bit differently. I get that. But um, football is football to me and like, it shouldn't really matter where your club is. Uh, if you, if you want to watch it and you enjoy it, you're still going to enjoy it no matter what division it's in. Like people, I've said it before, but people supporting like Leighton Orient and Barnsley or whoever in League One, Accrington, Stanley, League Two, 
they don't enjoy their football any less because they're not in the Premier League. No, exactly. That's, that's Bielsa, not really an answer to what you were saying, but yeah. No, I like where you went with that. I think Bielsa's favorite quote was um, uh, Severe fans, I think, put this, this banner up and it's like, we love you even when you lose. And it's that kind yep. of unconditional support that is what you really want to look for in a team. I was just, I was just making the point. I think it would be much more fun to finish 17th than to finish 8th. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it probably would, yeah. I think so. Because you get those moments like we did on the weekend against Leeds and Norwich where beyond all doubt, it looked like Leeds were fucked. 1-1 in the 91st minute. Yeah, another interesting game where uh, I guess we'll get on to Leeds and Norwich now, but they... Another game where Leeds looked like they probably should have had the game wrapped up on their own long before the game was dangerous. <laughs> and then all of a sudden... Norwich perked up, got a couple of chances, and then snagged one. Um, <laughs> like Leeds fans just shitting the bed all of a sudden, clenching. <laughs> and then that that winner, like in the ninety fourth minute, um, you sent me the video today, posted on the Leeds official Facebook page. But that shot of the dugout and the the stand, when you can't see the goal go in, but you see the crowd reaction and just the euphoria. I'll say, going around the stadium, it's just unreal. Oh, it's, it's 94. 10, out of, 10 out of 10 footy limbs. And it's to, to have all this wrapped up into like one tiny period of 90 minutes. Like Phil Hay tweeted it best. It was uh, Norwich equalize, click comes off for Gelhart, Gelhart chance, Gelhart goal. And it's like the guy that we've brought off the bench, 19 year old, everyone have pinned their hopes on him all season because Bamford's been injured and he yeah. steps up to the plate and does the Last job. week you talked about how bad he is. I think what we did in that moment <laughs> was perfect because he didn't play. He came on in the last minute. Really, the goal was all Rafinha. He's the one that takes it. Oh, I should say, Joffy wins the header, of course. He was course, just being given an appearance. In a sense. In a sense, he, he wouldn't have played unless they equalized. So, yeah, he was used in the fashion. We're going to get onto it into the, the red edition. Um, but the Motore role where he comes off the bench to make a change to impact the game and score the yep. winner. And that's exactly, he was a, the Leeds commentator said it best. He was like, he's where exactly where a bloody center forward should be in the fucking middle. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> if, uh, even after that, like uh, on the game itself, Leeds get that goal. Well, it was 94th, wasn't it? It was 94th. Yeah. Of what? Six minutes added on. Yeah. 96. And then, they even after that Norwich have that late chance where it is just hearts in mouths like and the ball gets absolutely hammered straight at the keeper. Does it get it got hit hard, didn't it? Straight at the keeper or uh, Pookie yeah. Pookie gives him the old Pookie. Falcon man. It hits Melia and it hits Melia dead in the face. Dead in the face. Either side of him, it's probably a goal. And just like oh unreal. I was at that point, I was just in total delirium. I didn't know what I was watching. I was still celebrating the goal, and then all of a sudden, it looked like they were going to equalize again. Just, yeah. Leeds are literally going to kill me. This is trauma. This is what I'm trying to say. You, you just, you never know a relegation fight till you're in it. And this is one of the most intense things I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I think, yeah. That is, yeah, that is a fair point about the relegation battle and the excitement of it. I just, yeah, if. I think it would just be important to remember if you are a fan that going down isn't the end of the world. That's all. Exactly. Obviously, you want to. Obviously, you fight to stay up, but then you know, mm. 
if you did go down, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. But you no, know. as it a just fan, come, it comes back to that all that myth about like you have to be in the Premier League or or it's nothing. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, people want you to think that you need to be in the top division to be an absolutely uh, like a recognised authentic club. But you don't. You don't need to be. I've been a fan of a side that's been relegated twice. Like you just you roll with the punches and you enjoy the journey back up. I'm fortunate enough to be with a team that's journeyed all the way back up and it's been great. Like it's been better than anything that's happened in the Premier League so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if we've got anything else to add on this week. I think that's the Euro route, man. That's the Kentucky tour. Very exciting. We haven't really touched on any other European leagues. I can quickly do it if you like. Yeah, hit it. What do you got for me? Uh, Milan are now top because Inter dropped points. They shouldn't have dropped. And uh, so even with the game in hand, Milan, uh, if Inter were to win that game in hand, Milan would be top of the league in Italy. And over in Germany, Bayern Munich dropped more points again. They drew one all, I think, with Hoffenheim. Fact check. Someone fact check that. But uh, Google Assistant. Yeah, you get, yeah, get on it. Yeah, thanks. Um, He's got it. Yeah, they drew with someone, which means Dortmund are now, I think it's seven points with a game in hand, which would make it four. I still think four is, I think that's just uh, Bayern managing the gap, though. Obviously, they wanted to come out and obliterate Salzburg, so they played a pretty strong lineup against Salzburg and then maybe rotated through a few on the weekend. I say that without actually looking at the lineups, but you know, it's, it seems like a fair enough assessment. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a fair enough. If did you want to be fact checked from something on the pod last week, or oh, should we he, just let it die? Are you calling me out, or am I calling you out? I might be calling you out right now. Go on, call me out. You said uh, Olivier Giroud was the uh, the fastest France international to hit fifty goals. He hasn't scored fifty goals for France. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, positive. Okay. How many has he scored? 46. I'm having a quick Google right now. Hold the line. Oh, God. Imagine the call-out gets called out. This would be horrible for my where reputation. Did you, where'd, you get, where'd you get the stat from? Uh, from Google. You know, Google, like, Google where? Like every good source is derived just from Google. Just a where, random Google search. Where on Google? It may have been Wikipedia. Is this a university lecture? Are you going to call me out for this? I wonder what the stat was then. I wonder you what said, it was. You said fastest to 50, and all I could find was Mbappe scored the fastest 50 goals in League 1 uh, in that, history. That was a that was a uh, a uh, stat I read. All right, we should come back next week with the proper facts. Cliffhanger, unless you can find it. Yeah, no. Nah, talk more shit about Man I can't, United I can't right find anything right now. But, uh, what about what about Salah? Either way, Liverpool, it may not have been fifty, but either way, it was something about a race between him and Henri, and whatever the target was, he reached it before Henri did, or whatever. But blah blah okay. blah. Henri is still the top French goal scorer, is he not? He is. Yep. Yeah. What does Mbappe have? I don't know. I know Henri's got fifty-one for France. Giroud's got forty-six. Mbappe scored the fastest fifty in league. Oh, there you go. It's probably a good good note to wrap it up on. Yeah, there's some good facts for you to take to your next quiz night. Yeah, no worries. Love that. Pop it in the pop it in the notebook. Don't use that at quiz night though, because they yell at you. 
Yeah, they don't like notebooks. Yeah, they yell at you if you're in your notebook or on your phone. They get it's touchy. discrimination, man. They get touchy about it. Oh, quiz. They prefer it if you write a little note in your top hat and just leave it in there, or your fedora, or whatever you're wearing. Yeah, we're rambling now, so I'm going to stop it. Maybe an A will be snapback. Arrivederci. Bye.